Welcome to Realign With Your Purpose. My name is Josie Smith, and my purpose here is to help you reconnect with yourself so you can realign with your purpose and reignite your dreams. I'm a mindset and strategy success coach for ambitious, growth-obsessed women just like you who want to identify and break through the roadblocks that are holding you back from reaching your next big up level, whether that's in life, in your relationships, in your career, or in your business, and equipping you with the tools you need to step into your most powerful, most aligned, up-leveled self. I'm here to show you that building the dream life is possible for anyone who's willing to put in the work and invest in themselves. This podcast is all about the real, the fun, the hard, the beautiful, and the challenging parts of life as an entrepreneur, building businesses, cultivating healthy relationships, and diving headfirst into the mindset work necessary to make all of this a reality. As a quick side note, I want to let you know, you're going to hear some spicy language in some of these episodes. So if you have small kids around and that bothers you, go ahead and grab your headphones before we get started, because we're digging into all of it and we're not holding back. Are you ready? Let's do it. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Realign With Your Purpose. You guys are in for a really powerful conversation today because today I am talking with Tracy O'Malley. Tracy is an Enneagram expert and a success coach. She uses the framework of the Enneagram in her coaching to help you truly understand yourself, to help you get to the core of who you are like how you're motivated, why you fear the things you fear, and the deeper reasons why we believe the things we believe, why we behave the way we behave, how we might act out in times of stress or when our core fears are triggered, and the ways to lean into our strengths and our superpowers so we can really become the truest and also the greatest versions of ourselves. If you are not familiar with the Enneagram, this episode is not going to be an Enneagram 101. We are not going to break down all the different numbers of the Enneagram and what they each represent individually. So this, if this is all sort of new to you, first of all, I want you to go follow Tracy. I'm going to put all of her links in the show notes. She's on Instagram at Tracy underscore O'Malley. She has a podcast called Lead with the Enneagram. And all the ways you can learn from her or work with her are on her website at tracyomalley.com. But I want to reiterate, you don't have to know your Enneagram for the content that we're sharing in this conversation. You don't have to know where you fall on the Enneagram. And even if you do have a basic awareness of the Enneagram and even a general idea of like where you might fall on the Enneagram, you might actually find after listening to this conversation that maybe you're not as sure as you thought. What she and I talk about today and the reason why this conversation is so, so special to me is because Tracy is my coach. Tracy is the person who walked alongside me in 2023 
through some pretty difficult shit. Tracy taught me the power of vulnerability, true vulnerability, the power of trusting another human being. And she taught me compassion, not just how to have compassion for other people, but how to have compassion for myself. This conversation is a deep dive into some of our biggest challenges and some of our greatest breakthroughs, some of our darkest fears, and then the freedom and the pure joy that comes on the other side of reconnecting with who we truly are at our core, embracing our superpowers, acknowledging our blind spots, and not only having radical honesty with ourselves when it comes to where we might be falling short, but also having unconditional compassion for ourselves in that acknowledgement. You guys, if you are ready, to truly make 2024 your year, if you're ready to actually change your life, to take your life, your business, your relationships to the next level, stick around for this conversation because Tracy is here to help you do just that. Hello, Tracy. I'm so excited to talk to you today and to have you on the podcast. You are my absolute favorite person to talk to and to learn from. And I am just, I'm so honored that you are here today and that all of my people get to learn from you too. Oh, goodness. I I, I don't, well, I do normally look forward to podcast interviews because I, I, I love them. I think they're a great way for us to kind of take in information and bite-sized chunks and do something with it. But I was especially excited about this because you're one of my favorite people I've ever coached ever. So thank you. I love it. Seriously. You know, I don't say that to fluff you. (laughs) Like I mean it. So what are we talking about today? Oh, we're going to talk about so many good things today. I kind of want to set the stage a little bit and I I want to talk about kind of how I met you and then how we got into doing what we have kind of done over the past almost year or so. Um, so I met I met you a little over a year ago, maybe even close to a year and a half ago at an event that I attended and you spoke at. And I went to this event with like a very specific goal in mind. And my goal at this <laughs> event was to get a whole bunch of clients into my accounting right. business. And that was my goal. I was going to go there. That I was going to so network funny now, right? Like, that is so funny now because, like, I remember <laughs> when you were telling me that, and I was like laughing and like, yeah, yeah. Continue. The <laughs> that was my whole entire purpose. I had no other intention outside of getting clients and uh, networking and all of that. And I really didn't know what to expect because I had never been to an event like this. Um, but I walked into this room, and it was just full of this energy that I had never experienced in my life. It was like fun, feminine, playful energy. Like if a human being could be a glitter bomb, this room was full of human glitter bombs. And it was so uncomfortable for me when I walked into this room because that is not the energy that I exist in at all. And I just kind of stepped back and I didn't really know what to do next. (laughs) So I just kind of watched everything go on, but I still, I had this goal. So I'm like, okay, I'm like psyching myself up to, to start talking to people and start getting clients. And Mm -hmm. 
as the weekend progressed though, something in me started shifting and I realized I didn't actually want these people as clients. I kind of wanted to be them. And not that Mm -hmm. I wanted to be exactly like them, but I recognized that they were doing something, whatever it was they were doing, that just lit them on fire. And they were having fun and just loving life. And I recognized that I wasn't doing that. But then at the same time, I sort of had this battle going on in my head. Like, I want to do what they're doing, but I'm not like them. This energy Mm -hmm. that they have is not my energy. And then you walked in the room and the energy (laughs) that you brought in the room immediately just felt like home to me because I was existing in this identity Mm. that I had created for myself because I thought it was how I was supposed to show up. I, I was supposed to show up a certain way in business. I was supposed to show up a certain way as a parent and in my relationships. And I just kind of constructed this identity because who I was at my core sort of scared people. And it sort of scared me a little bit because I didn't know what to do with it. And so I constructed this identity and I realized like between who I am, like who I feel like I am in my core and, and this identity that I've constructed, like what is real? I was really, the lines were starting to blur and I didn't know what was real and what I had constructed. But the minute you walked in the room and I felt your energy, I knew that there was something there because the other thing that I felt when you walked in the room and when you started talking was not only did you have this intense energy that I identified was very similar to my own, but also you had this compassion. Mm-hmm. And it was authentic and it was real. And it wasn't, it wasn't like something you were putting on because you were on stage. It just felt right. very genuine and very real. And I knew there was something there that I could learn from you. And I knew that I needed to connect with you. And so as soon as that event was over, I made a beeline to the back of the room and I said, How do I work with you? I'm an yeah. Enneagram eight. And you're like, you don't say. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because you're right. That compassion absolutely is genuine. And 12 years ago, there was no way I could access it, especially publicly, because I would have assumed that's for the weak bitches, you know, or that is for the glitter bombs in this room. That's cute and everything, but we're here to do real shit and real work. And my ego wouldn't have allowed me back then to access the compassion for fear of, you know, vulnerability and all of those things. So you're right. You did have something to learn from me because I remember one of the things, first things I said to you is you lack compassion. Yeah. Not from a judgmental place, but like, hello, if I cloned myself, there would be you (laughs) (laughs) in a lot of ways. We're a little bit different in some, but we are very, very similar for sure. So you were spot on. So Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like you had never been to any of those like personal development events. And the fact that you picked that one, uh, is funny Mm -hmm. because it is the furthest from your natural go-to and my natural go-to is to be in a lot of rah, rah, high vibe kind of thing. We're like, let's get in the trench and kick the shit out of things. That's typically our vibe. So I think it was perfect that you landed there. 
um, and perfect that you had this evolution process over the course of the two and a half days of like, oh, I came here for one thing, but I'm actually here for what I need. You know, I think a lot of times when we enter the personal development space, you know, we we sign up and hire for what we think we need or what, what we want, but we end up, if you hire the right people or get in the right rooms or you, your ego gets dropped enough to say like, I know this is what I want, but I know pointing at me, like that's actually what I need. I like the fun. I like the wahoo, like kumbaya shit. But even though like, I felt like home, I was also very scary. Yeah. Well, and, and I, (laughs) you, so you, (laughs) you triggered something in me, but at the same time, like it was very much, I recognized it was very much exactly what I needed. And I remember I kind of had in the back of my head, like, I know I need this for me, but I can't tell her I need this for me. I need to have a good excuse. I need to have a good reason. So when Mm -hmm. I, when I first talked to you, um, I told you, I said, I am an Enneagram eight and I've recognized that my daughter is an Enneagram four and I have spent her whole entire life talking to her and treating her and parenting her and disciplining her and relating to her like she's supposed to be just like me. And in recognizing sort of this framework of the Enneagram, which is what you use in your coaching Um, Mm -hmm. I recognized that she was so much different from me and the ways that I had talked to her and treated her and related to her and communicated with her. I was essentially like, I'm, I'm, I'm the challenger, right? And I'm a fighter and she's a feeler. She's, she is somebody who's very much in her feelings. And I was really just trying to like fight the feelings out of her because to me, that Mm -hmm. felt like a weakness. Mm -hmm. And every time she'd get in the feelings, I felt like I I don't want to raise a weak ass kid. <laughs> and in looking oh, at that, as I learned it, I was like, holy shit, what did I do? I, I seriously fucked up here because she yeah. was almost 19 when I started learning this stuff from you. Yeah. And I know that you had sort of a similar mm-hmm. um, sort of thing with your own family and with your own kids and realizing how different they were. Can you talk a little bit about just how important it is to recognize how different people are motivated differently, how they fear differently, and then how to communicate with people in a way that they actually can receive so that they feel like they're heard and understood and loved and appreciated for who they actually are? Yeah, I think that my kids were why I, when I was exposed to this, even though I didn't want anything to do with it. Um, when I dove in a little bit, even I had the same reaction, like, fuck, I have like, before I even had children, Josie, like my biggest fear was not of like the usual shit. My biggest fear, even before I thought about like conceiving children was I don't want to fuck up my kids. You know, I grew up in an environment, although they were very well intended, they fucked up a lot. Yeah, You know, and that was my biggest fear is like repeating that. And so, you know, of course, what do I do to ensure that that doesn't happen? I move 3000 miles away and assume that just because I know better, I'm going to do better. And that's not necessarily the truth. If we don't repair it, we repeat it or it gets repeated or both. And when I was reading about the Enneagram, my kids were 14 and 15. 
and I recognize, and it gave me language and a framework, which is what I love about the Enneagram that can kind of guide you back on path. I recognize that I have two kids that are very different from me and very, very different from each other. And the biggest aha I had in reading about this in the initial stages was also taking into account how others might receive me. It's one thing for me to know their language and to speak it, but I am also responsible. It's the one thing we're responsible for, you guys, is the energy in which we bring to situations. And although we can't control how others might receive it, we have to be aware of some things that may show up. And in the past, prior to like that humbling time in my life, I would have been like, well, too fucking bad. If you can't deal with it, this is who I am. Like, and then you're just a weak ass bitch or whatever I would say, right? Like I would thrive on that. And although maybe I'm right in some regards, like I don't think we should have to alter who we are. We are responsible for the expression of it and, and expressing ourselves with compassion and kindness. We can still be direct as fuck, but we can always do it from this place of um, love, compassion, empathy, service, grace, rather than fear, insecurity, unworthiness, shame, guilt, and ego. And so the other thing that I had a big aha and it was very, it felt very convicted and humbled was recognizing that I have a feeler as well in my son. And I too was trying to um, speak and beat the compassion and kindness and, and sweetness and sensitivity out of him. And oh my God, like what a disservice I started to do for him. And same thing with my daughter. She's a seven. He's a two. She's a seven. And and she is very wired differently. She's a little more intense than like me, um, which I could relate to a little bit more. But we were also pretty explosive when we did fight where he would kind of go into a shame. She would be more explosive and aggressive. And I was like, all right, let's fight like this. Is cool. <laughs> but my biggest fear was not because f- I feel so and have felt most of my life disconnected from the very people that brought me into this world and loved me more than anyone, right? Like, even though they didn't do a very good job in a lot of ways, my parents did love me very, very much. I know that. And I felt completely disconnected from them. And I know how much I loved my kids. And I knew, like, if I didn't figure this out, it was a fast track to them scattering out into the world. And I would be told like, yeah, that's my mom, but you know, asterisk. And I didn't want that. So thankfully, like I I believe when the student's ready, the teacher and the tools appear and thank God for the Enneagram to give me framework because I'd been in personal development for 12 years at that point. Like I'd been in therapy. Like I recognized very early on, I was adult child of an alcoholic. I had been emotionally abandoned by my mother you know, like I, I recognize that I needed to relearn some stuff, but most of my therapists, I could run circles around. I can manipulate. Um, when you're unpacking 40 plus years, when I was learning about this, it's a lot. And although we might get some traction when shit's hitting the fan, we go to what we know, even if it's dysfunctional, right? Cause yeah. I mean, we had evidence that there was survival mechanisms in that, but it isn't effective long game. And I wanted to be effective. I didn't want to be right or just surviving. And so, you know, recognizing that not only was I trying to make my kids into mini me's, I hate that phrase, by the way, yeah. like they aren't mini you's, they're their own divine being, right? However, um, I knew it wasn't too late. 
And if I was humbled enough and accountable enough with compassion for myself, I could turn this shit around and I could do it fast with this beautiful system and framework. And that's exactly what I did. I mean, you have teenagers. If you are a parent or been around teenagers, they think we're stupid most of the time and they think we're full of shit and all the things. And for me to, at 14 and 15 years of age for them, not only that, but fresh out of rehab and a trail of, you know, fucked up things that I have done unintentionally and, you know, whatever. For me to be able to turn that ship around immediately, just understanding and implementing what I knew back 12 years ago about this tool, like I shifted it overnight. And so I couldn't not dive deeper into this. Um, And it's so cool to fast forward 12 years later, you know, they're 26 and 27 almost. And we're all still very, very different. And I'm still intense and direct as fuck. But the way that I express that is a way that each of them can receive because I take into consideration what motivates them and what is their biggest fear and what their blind spots are every single time I communicate with them. And what that does is build trust and credibility. And I'm telling you, we don't, just because we have children, whether it's through birth or adoption or however else we become a guardian or a parent, that is a privilege. It is not a right. And I wanted to make sure that I honored their journey and to see what we've done over the last 12 years, I still honor who they are. And and here's the really cool part, not just with our children, but the understanding of the Enneagram in particular is there are nine different ways in which we perceive and fear the world. And none of them are better than the others. And the more that we can humble ourselves and open our minds to how the other eight different lenses get looked through. We grow as human beings. We build intense, beautiful intimacy in our lives through friendships, through parenting, through you know, romantic partnerships, through business relationships, and credibility and trust is built. And I got to tell you, at the age of 51 years old today, I feel so at peace with the way that I communicate And I don't use as much of that intense energy. I'm still intense and I'll still bury a body if I need to, like all the things, right? But I don't have to operate in that all the time because most of the people I communicate with aren't wired like me and you. They're wired more like your daughter and my son or my daughter. And so understanding this also conserves a lot of the energy. And at my age, you you can't be wasting that shit. Yeah. Yeah. I I loved just having this awareness and recognition and what you kind of said is how you how you switched things up overnight and i did not expect such a dramatic shift so quickly because i remember telling you as i was learning this like we have so much work to do i have mm-hmm. so much work to do my daughter's going to have so much work to do to unlearn the things i tried to just pound into her her whole entire life like this is going to take so long and she's already practically an adult and mm-hmm. you said it might not take as long as you think and to look at where we are now only mm-hmm. less than 6 months out of just kind of us wrapping up our our sort of coaching relationship and just to see that dramatic shift over just a handful of months Mm -hmm. And the way that she's engaging in 
her life, in her relationship, in school, in the the decisions that she's making and how she's going about, you know, just navigating her next chapter is just, it, it could not be what it is if it hadn't been for the work that I did just a short amount of time ago. And I, I was just so amazed at how quickly things shifted. And so I guess my follow-up question, and you kind of touched a little bit on that, was like you use this tool of the Enneagram. And like I know I told you, I don't want to get into all the intricacies of the Enneagram 101. You have yeah. so many amazing tools. I'm going to put links in, in the show notes for your podcast, your workshops, whatever you've got. But if you want to learn about the Enneagram, what it is, and all of the different numbers and and try to figure out who you are, connect with Tracy. She does an amazing blueprint. Um, and you can listen to her podcast. She's got all the information out there. What I really want you to touch on is like what makes it so much different and so much more powerful than all those other personality assessments out there? Yeah. And I love anything that gives us more self-awareness about who we are. Like, I mean, I love astrology. My daughter's an astrologist. I love human design. I love Myers-Briggs. I love like all sorts of shit. Um, but what I loved about the Enneagram first and foremost, it's motivational related. It's not behavior related where most of the other things they focus on the behaviors in which we operate in. And the behaviors are the compensatory strategies we use typically, right? Like behaviors are as a result of our beliefs and our thoughts, right? Like if we believe we're a shitty person, we're going to start, you know, or yeah, we're going to start behaving as such. And that could be, you know, in workaholism, it could be in all sorts of things. But what I loved about the Enneagram is it gets to the root of the core motive. Like it's almost like the six degrees of separation. Cause in the beginning I was like, well, when it comes to this, I'm motivated like this, when it comes to this, I'm motivated like this, but that's more surface level. If I really got to the root of everything that I did, it is the same basic motive. And it's the same basic fear that I will guard with my life. And I loved that because when we are reverse engineering um, and trying to unlearn, you know, generational shit, to have that and to know your core motive and your core fear, and it's rooted in the the same things. It's a lot easier to reverse engineer, to heal, to grieve, to understand, to have compassion, and to move through and forward and get to acceptance and transformation. Fucking love that fucking love that. That is way more than just information. Um, you know, when you know the root of the motives of the people that you love and lead, like I know like their fear is very different than mine. Love that. Love that. And even if it, um, express like how they express their fear, I still know it's the, the same root, right? The weed might look different, but the roots are the same, you know, like it's, it's the same thing. And that's, what I love about it. The other thing I love about it, it is kind of like spirituality and psychology had a baby, right? It's very woo, but also rooted in like some of these tangible psychological shit, like some of that stuff. It's also kind of nature and nurture colliding, right? We have this divine makeup, this divine nature that I believe came from a beautiful source. Whatever you call it is up to you. I happen to call it God. Okay. Good orderly direction. You can call it whatever you want. Um, but then we're dropped into environments and situations and family systems and school systems and cultures and 
and communities that can alter the expression of that divine makeup, right? And that's where the behaviors come into play, right? It's why all those online assessments are inaccurate because they focus on that. Um, But when you understand nature and nurture and what that looks like in any kind of given scenario, and you can troubleshoot it a little bit faster with compassion, that is the asterisk here. Like, even if you understand this, but you're bringing shame, judgment, anger, resentment with, like, this isn't going to be as effective, right? The the key to this magical tool working most effectively is when it's cloaked with compassion and empathy for yourself and other people. And so when you kind of know that going in and then you have a system and framework, the cool thing about the Enneagram also is we're more than just our type. That's just our home base. That's just where our fears and our our motives are are rooted. And that doesn't change. Now, how we use the other tools in the toolbox within that framework can vary from person to person. It's also why you can have me and you next to each other and how we process and deal with shit, even though we are motivated the same, we fear the same, how we go about getting to resolution and reconciliation looks really, really different looks really, really different because of the way that we use the other framework attached to us. So you you asked me why, why it's different. That's why it actually has a system and framework when you know what to do with it and you don't just say, well, I'm an eight. So there's that. <laughs> like that's great. Information doesn't equal transformation. It's integration and implementation of this information. The right information is like, that's where transformation happens. That's why I'll never be the airy fairy Enneagram lady. I'm just not. I'm just not. (laughs) A lot of people will do the online assessments and they'll come back Mm -hmm. with, you know, I'm an Enneagram three, I'm an Enneagram two, whatever. I did online assessments before I did yours. And I don't know if I ever told you this, but the online assessments that I took before I did yours, I came back with three different answers on every single one of them. I got a three. Mm -hmm. I got a five I knew and I got a nine. <laughs> Never mm-hmm. once did I get an eight. And every, sang- every single time I took them, I was like, nope, that's not right. Nope, that's not right. Why are, and I guess you kind of touched on this a little bit, but why is it that all of those assessments came back wrong for me and for so many other people? Yeah, mine came back. My first one came back wrong too. It's, you know, we have in our we have our own agenda, whether we're conscious of it or not. And especially because the Enneagram has become trendy. Back when I was learning, like nobody knew what the fuck it was, right? Like, so I didn't have any kind of preconceived idea of what it is. However, I knew who was asking me to take this, and I was like performing, and I was like, oh no, I'm not going to let this bitch see my biggest vulnerable moment. So I was acting and speaking as though behaviorally like a three. And so of course it's what I got up, what came up. And although behaviorally I can look very three-like motivationally, not even close, never like not even a sliver. Am I motivated or fear like a three? Um, but why do a lot of these come back? Well, first and foremost, like our own agenda, um, especially if you're familiar with the Enneagram and you have basic understanding and you have you have a um, perceived of which Enneagram type is the most whatever, insert whatever you believe there, um, you'll start answering as though you're there. The other thing is personal development. We answer as though we're already like, well, I'm doing all this work, so this is how I'm going to be. So I'm going to answer this way, right? 
And then the other aspect of it, and this is like, I love AI and I love like all the things like technology. I'm obsessed with it. Thank goodness for it, for a lot of things, but all the online assess, any Joe Schmo can make a quiz and say it's an Enneagram quiz to get you in their funnel and in their email system and, and all the things, but it's just a starting point. And they, they aren't structured in a way to get to the depths of the motives and the way that you respond to real life, that, that nature aspect of it. My assessment that I use does. It's very in-depth. It takes about 30 minutes to take, but it kind of hits you at all these different angles. So even sly ones and manipulators like you and I can tend to be, <laughs> which we can. Yeah, I mean, we can. We think we're better, stronger, smarter. I mean, that's part of being an eight, right? It's We test people. This assessment that I use kind of hits us at all the different angles. So even though like the savvy ones like you and me try to you know, manipulate a system, it, it doesn't. Yeah. Well, so. and uh, honestly, that's part of the reason why I knew I needed to work with you because I, I yeah. know that I can manipulate anybody. I can, I yeah. can say whatever I can show up, however, mm-hmm. and 99% of people are not going to catch on. And I knew I oh, wanted no. to actually move the needle. And I had to hold myself yeah. accountable by, by finding a coach who would hold me accountable, but who also wasn't going to take my shit. Or judge you. Or judge you. Yeah. You know, um, I think that in the world of personal development, I joke, like I am not the most savvy marketer. I don't have a funnel. I, all those things. I, I don't market to your pain points in a way that is like, like irresponsible. Unfortunately, there's a lot of really great marketers that are cloaked as coaches because people will pay for a coach and especially one that markets really well to the pain points. This is the problem though, is a lot of the personal develop ind- development industry, although I love it, obviously I'm in it, they, they're they really good at bringing awareness to what the fuck's going on wrong in your life. Mm-hmm. Personally, professionally, financially, physically, emotionally, spiritually, sexually, what all the things like seriously, Instagram is just one big ad central ad central saying you suck. If this is happening, this is happening in your life. You need me. You need me. You need me. Like the world of personal development is really great about telling you what the fuck's going on. And yeah. then they're really great. And for five minutes more, you can change all that with one six-week course, with one coaching container, with one ayahuasca ceremony, with one, you need me and I can take all those fucking problems away. And you know what happens is y'all are buying it hook, line, and sinker. And by the time you get to the to me, you're like, oh shit, I bought into that. Or you you might even blame those people for not helping you get the transformation. The problem is, is nobody tells you how to acknowledge the awareness to the action. Like it's, it's more like awareness that there's a problem. What's the quick, speedy action to make the pain stop. And we all buy into it. I have to, I'm not judging any of you. I have fucking done it over and over in my life. The diet industry is notorious for it. Infomercials, Instagram, NLP, like, and I love all of it. 
I love all of it, but you have to arm yourself with discernment and personal compassionate accountability. You can't go from awareness to action without acknowledging the messy shit in the middle with compassion because otherwise it's going to you're going to end up doing exactly what most people have done in the diet industry. It's like, "Great, I'm going to change my behaviors for this short period of time and I'm going to do the thing and sure as shit, you know, all hell breaks loose in your life and you go back to what you always know, which is the ho-hos." Yeah. Or you go back to what you always know and that's codependency. Or you go back to what you always know and that's anger management problems. Hello, I'm talking to me. I have utilized all three of these things. So I want you to know I'm not just like these are my three go-tos. Like, all right, let's let's like manage our weight. Let's control. Let's do all those things. But it's not until we're willing to have awareness. Yes, that's the first step. But so many of you skip over and many of the the industry is saying we can skip over this messy stuff. Let's just get to the the behaviors you need to do or the morning routine you need to have or the <laughs> mushrooms you need to take in order to make that stop. Yeah. I work on the acknowledgement part and you're right, it is messy. And you're right. I couldn't tell you like when you were telling me, "Hey, I want to build my business." I'm like, "Great. We might get to that." Yeah. But why you haven't built that business is because there's this personal stuff, the way that you see the world that is holding you back and attracting the people that will allow you to do that. And it might get messy and we may end up down a rabbit hole of something else that we take, we end up taking this holistic approach. But many of you don't want to sit in the acknowledgement. Most of us raise our hand and and hand over our credit card credit card when shit's hitting the fan. When I went, to, it's why like most people that try to get sober, only two percent stay sober. Like, yeah, we raise our hand and say, yeah, I need help because we've blown up a relationship, we've crashed a car, we've you know blown up at our kids. Like, what our health is going right? We raise our hand and say, I want the pain to stop right now. I'll do whatever it takes. <laughs> and then once, once the pain subsides, we go back to what we know. I'll do Unless whatever we, it takes except this. Except this. And I was that girl. Like, trust me, if there was a bypass around any of this acknowledgement shit, I would have done it. But the Enneagram allowed me to not run from the acknowledgement and to meet it with compassion so that the action that I actually took was sustainable and really transformed and brought me back to who I was always designed to be before the world kicked me in the teeth. Yes. Like yes. that's fucking freedom. That's Absolutely. why I love That's why I love this. Yes. And I I remember when we first started working together and on our very first call you asked me, what is it that you hope to get out of this? Like what are you here for? And I said, you know, I have these big money goals. I've always had big money goals. I've got these financial goals. And also I literally just shut down a business that I'm no longer bringing in money from, and I need to start something new, but I don't know what that's supposed to be. So I'm looking for clarity around what my next business is supposed to be, because I've, I've had a bunch of different businesses and some of them have been fairly successful and some of them haven't, but I was looking for my next thing because I recognized that the business I was leading was not the business I was supposed to be running because it wasn't like I wasn't functioning 
from my identity of who I was, I was, I was literally functioning in my stress number. Like my business was a product of my stress number. And like, you don't get more five than accounting. <laughs> no. And so I tell you these things and you're like, <laughs> okay, <That's cute. laughs> okay. And then you start asking me these ridiculous questions about my childhood. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> What are we doing exactly. right now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I got so mad. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I spent the first solid month mad. I was mad about mm-hmm. it. I didn't want to do it. I fought back. Mm-hmm. And I so I have like a couple of questions around that. Number one, at what point were you ever ready to just throw in the towel and be like, I am sending your money back. I cannot work with you anymore. <laughs> No, I would have never taken your money. Like, hello. (laughs) Are you kidding me? When, when I was with my therapist 12 years ago, I told her to go fuck herself. Like I wanted (laughs) nothing, nothing to, I'm like, here lady, I came here for one reason and one reason only like, tell me how to fix that. Right. So (laughs) I, I get it. And I fully expect it from everyone that I work with. Some obviously are spicier than others. Hello, Enneagram eights and, and whatnot, but like, like the fight, like you have to fight it at first to surrender enough. Like I'm not going anywhere and you're not fooling me either. Like have at (laughs) it, but I'm holding you to what you said you wanted in the beginning and to whom much is given much is required. And with great reward comes a great responsibility. And I'm an irresponsible coach. If I allow you to bypass this, yeah, I can give you strategy out the wazoo. Hello. I have a six in my tri-type and I also have a good five cave. Like I know <laughs> how to strategize better than most people, but I can't responsibly give you strategy without this piece. Otherwise, like it's not going to stick. And then you'll end up angry or resentful or blaming me or judging yourself or in a shame pit or whatever that looks like for you. So yeah, bring it, bring your intensity, bring your spiciness. I'm here for it. You came here for a reason. I'm not backing down. So are we going to do this? Or are we not? Are you gonna, <laughs> Are you done with your, tan- are you done with your tantrum yet? <laughs> it took me a minute. <laughs> so, if so let's get to work. Yeah. And, and that's what it takes. And I think, especially at, and knowing that you were an eight, obviously the number one thing eights do is test the person that we've kind of vetted to see if we're, if we are right about who we think they are and eights are notorious for testing the very people that we trust to see if shit's going to hit the fan. Can they really be strong enough to handle it? Yeah. Yeah. If you love eight and eight, know this, know this. We, whether we're conscious of it or not, we constantly are testing people that we are surrendering our trust to because we need to know that if I need to take over, I need to know this now. Or if I'm going to be vulnerable with this person, if it gets really dark and heavy, can they really hold me in the same strength and power that I know that I can? And if I didn't do that with you, you would have been more pissed than you were that first month. You'd be oh. like, damn it, I invested all this money in this bitch who I thought was strong and, <laughs> and I'm stronger than her. Yeah, you definitely you definitely held my feet to the fire. You definitely did not let me have my tantrums without coming back at me with something equally intense 
And then when it got to the point where like you recognized where I was at and that I was sort of starting to crumble, (laughs) you met me with compassion and with just an understanding and, and the intensity kind of went down a notch. And I appreciate like that. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> You're a human. And now we can really dive in and get some work yeah. done here. Yeah. Because when we're armored up like that, when we're armored up like that, like not only are we blocking out the things that can hurt us, we're also blocking out the transformation and, and the beauty and the magic of what we're here to do to begin with. Right. And you know, once we surrender with the right people, again, I'm going to like asterisk this with the right people that can actually guide you through a fucking process. Like when you surrender to the right guidance, that's when you can do really cool shit. And and here's the thing. I know I'm a hell of a coach and I'm really great at what I do, but I couldn't do what I did with you if you weren't doing the work and you weren't willing. Like I'm just the guide. You have the choice of whether or not to go down that path or not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I I think for me, initially, it was like, Mm -hmm. I didn't want to go down that path because in my Mm -hmm. head, I had been down that path before. Like, I remember telling you, I've done this work. Stop asking me to do this again. I did this already. Don't make me go back down this path. We have a limited amount of time. I have these goals. I'm going to give you a list and this is what I want to do. And I don't want to do this other shit. And Mm -hmm. You kept coming back with, okay, you've gone down this path, but you're going down this path at a cognitive level and you haven't felt it yet. And the more you go through this process, you're going to get more out of it every single time you go through it. And like I was telling you the other day, I went back through some of our old messages from like early on and I'm listening to them again and and I was I was getting more out of it today than I even did then so it's like recognizing how when you take things to another level yeah you can access things at a deeper level that you maybe weren't able to access at an earlier level but like my question for you that I think is super important because a lot of people, I've heard this from a lot of people. It was the Me same too. mindset that I had. I've done this work already. I don't want to do I it again. I did the work. I did yeah. the work. I've already yeah. done inner child stuff. I've already been to therapy. Yeah. Why yeah. is it so important to really reconnect with that inner child when you're mm-hmm. trying to take your life, your business, your relationships, whatever it is, to the next level? <clears throat> And you're struggling to hit these goals, or you don't even know what those goals are because you're so disconnected from who you are. Why mm-hmm. is it so important to, to just reconnect with that inner child? Knowing that that is quite possibly the thing that is controlling the subconscious programming that's blocking you from reaching these goals mm-hmm. in the first place. Yeah, it's like you're having this like tantrum happening within your body and your conscious and subconscious mind sometimes because you've got the divine wiring that you were gifted with, right? You've got nature, right? Who you were designed to be. And then you have this toddler inside of you, like saying, we can't do that 
because if we do that, X, Y, Z happens, right? So there's this constant war happening within us. And some of this air quotes work that you all have done, um, I'm not saying it's bad because something is better than nothing. Like your willingness to at least venture into it, like, thank God you did, you know, but like you and most people and myself included for 12 years, like, again, I'm, I'm saying this without judgment, like I've been here. So this is why I know it's important. We approach the inner child from a cognitive level, level, from the neck up, from we want to understand because we have shit to do in this world. So we need to work through this. And imagine if you are raising a child and you have your own agenda. Do you feel like if that child was actually in front of you and feel nurtured? Like, geez, like, no, I'm here for the Christmas card. Like, basically, I'm here for the Christmas card so mom can look like a good mom. And that's unfortunately how most of us intentionally and not approach our work is we seek to understand because it's holding us back from what we want to do. It's not that we're seeking understanding to heal necessarily. We might say we do, but when things start to go away that we started to, you, you have the tantrum yourself. Like, I don't want to do this. I've already done it. Well, yeah, you, you did it from the neck up. You can understand all through the day. I've understood this shit since I was nine years old. I understood the way that my life was. I understood my parents from the neck up. And yet when it came to relationships and, you know, my own kind of personal accountability, like I was acting like a raging teenager a lot of the times. It's because I only did it from the cognitive, like we can understand, but that's information. Remember information doesn't equal transformation. It's when we access from the neck down and feel and feel the the feelings that we don't necessarily love. Like I, I've talked to you about the movie Inside Out. Yeah. What a beautiful depiction of the the core five emotions. There's a new one coming out. I cannot wait for it, by the way. Like if you like that movie really put things in perspective for me in a way to explain this is like girls like you and I, we we like anger. We like disgust because we're motivated as eights to be strong and powerful, right? But sadness and um, fear and even joy, those three emotions, we don't typically like because we might be betrayed or violated. They're weak. They're all these things that we have judged. But in order for us to connect to the inner child and to heal and to transform and to get to acceptance and do all the fucking things we say we want for our life, we can't just fall in love with anger and disgust. We have to love all five of those equally and know that they're all very important for very different things. And none, not, not one is better than the other. But for a lot of us that have ventured into the work, um, we do it from the neck up. And it's why you can still have the same things come up. When I recognized for myself that that little girl, that so desperately wanted to be heard in her sadness. And she wanted to experience joy without fear that somebody was going to do her dirty or hurt her or have fear that was validated instead of being told, suck it up, put on your big girl panties. It's what tough girls do. 
Like she just wanted to be able to feel those things and to be compassionately nurtured in those moments. And I was blocking her from all of that because I was just trying to understand it from the neck up instead of feeling it with her on the floor from the neck down. And once I started to embrace that, like it doesn't mean hard things don't happen in my life. They do. But now I feel all of it, which it was much easier to not. Oh yeah. I will. I will say that for the short game, but we're here for the long game. And if you really want to transform your life in all areas, not just the one that ends up in the bank account or, you know, in the bedroom or whatever you're seeking, right? You have to take the holistic approach and the Enneagram can help you do that by bringing to awareness the things that you do resist. That's why I knew like what you were going to resist. I was like, all right, here we go. Here we go. (laughs) Here we go. Like, and I get it. I so get it. I still don't love sadness. I still don't love fear, but I am unconditionally committed and consistent with getting on the floor and nurturing it. Because if I really want to get to transformation, acceptance, and move forward and have all the things that I know that I desire and I deserve, that's what's required. There's no way to bypass it. And the longer you try to bypass it through, you know, this airy, fairy, fluffy ass work, just know you're prolonging your destiny yeah. from happening. You are. Yeah. I don't know I, about you, but last I checked, tomorrow's not guaranteed. I had been in this sort of personal development space for a little over a decade. And it was, you know, I know for me to be going through all of these things, <laughs> quote unquote, again, felt redundant to me until I figured out how to connect to the feeling part of it and get out of my own head. Mm-hmm. And there was a point in our conversations where mm-hmm. I'm connecting with my inner child and recognizing that as a child, I had wanted to take dance classes. I had wanted to dance. And I'm in this process now as an adult of like trying to connect with my feminine energy because that's not an easy thing for me to connect to and trying to be more playful. And one day I was like, I think I need to sign up for dance class. Like as a 40 year old, (laughs) I need to take dance. And so I just felt like my inner child was like, I want to dance. And so I'm looking for dance classes close to me. And and I was struggling to find a dance studio that did like adult dance that was like kind of the style that I was looking for. And I kept looking, I kept looking, I couldn't find anything. And then one day you sent me a message one morning and you're like, I'm on my way to yoga. And I don't even remember anything else from the message. And later I was like, should I keep looking for a dance class? Or should I maybe try yoga? And I don't even know what prompted me to ask that because I always thought yoga is stupid, looks really boring. I have no interest in trying. It's not something I'm interested in at all. And the minute I asked the question, I'm like, why did I ask that? I'm not going to do, even if she says do yoga, I'm not going to (laughs) do yoga. So I'm like, should I try yoga or should I keep looking for a dance class? And you're like, do yoga. And I said, okay. And at the time, I'm thinking, like, who the fuck is talking for me right now? Like, why did I just agree to do yoga? And so I did yoga. (laughs) I went to my very first yoga class, and it felt 
like the most vulnerable thing I have ever done in my life. Mm -hmm. I was a beginner. I have never done yoga. Everybody there looked like they knew what they were doing. I had no idea what I was doing. And that alone was super vulnerable. Then we get to the end of this yoga class and I'm laying in Shavasana and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, tears just start pouring out of my freaking eyeballs, running down my face, soaking my hair to my yoga mat. And I am like, what the fuck is this right now? I have no idea what's going on. I am bawling my eyes out. I have no connection with why. It was just this like somatic release of some energy that I was carrying in my body that this yoga practice released. And I'm laying here in this room full of strangers, just crying. So that's another level of vulnerability, which Mm -hmm. normally I would like shut down. I would just shut down I can't do this. This is not, I, I'm I'm not here anymore. I'm checking out. And instead, I just let it happen. And now I am in the process of actually going to yoga training. But I know. like, talk to us about the importance, number one, of vulnerability, especially for people like us, like Enneagram 8s. And also... I think vulnerability is is kind of one of those like trendy things that people like to talk yeah. about. And yeah. most people don't really understand what it truly is or they define it in a way that isn't really yeah. what it is. I love how you right. talk about vulnerability and how you kind of define it and help people understand what it really looks like, but also how important it is. Yeah. And again, I'm going to explain this in a way because I thought I was being vulnerable you know, the last 12 years specifically, I thought I was being vulnerable most of the time. And what I recognize that there's a difference between transparency and vulnerability, right? And we'll, we'll talk about this first, um, you know, with that whole yoga experience and usually anything that we judge, whether it's a workout, um, something like whenever we're resistant to something, that's a real opportunity to ask ourselves. And that's why the Enneagram can guide you really quickly to there. Obviously why you and I judged yoga is because that's for weak bitches, right? It's the same reason why I, it's the same way I judge cheerleaders. I'm like, come on, like, give me a real real sport. sport, Right. (laughs) But there, I have something to learn in that. And if, you know, especially knowing what I know about feminine energy, like I have a hard time tapping into it because I'm doing hit classes and, and slinging weights and grunting and all really good. But for somebody like me to be able to access my feminine energy and to really nurture my inner child, I have to slow down and get on the floor on the mat. And that's why, like, you cried because that inner child was like, finally, finally, she can hear me. And here I am. And so the difference between transparency and vulnerability, most of you think you're being vulnerable. You thought you were being vulnerable. I thought I was being, most people think they're being vulnerable, but they're actually not, especially women. What you are is a really fucking great storyteller of what you've been through, but already figured out. And that is called transparency, right? But we think we're, we're, we think we're being vulnerable or we're being marketed with manipulative and manufactured vulnerability. No, they're just storytelling, right? The whole story brand, which I love, by the way. 
story brand is all about transparency and telling a good story to make people feel connected and relatable, right? And we do that. We're transparent about our life. Even with some, like, I remember when I first started speaking publicly, you know, 12 years ago, every time I'd get off stage, because I could take people through the journey, right? Like, I'd have them crying and laughing and the whole thing in a scope of 10 minutes, right? And people, I'd get off the stage and people be like, oh my God, you're so vulnerable. I don't know yeah. if I could ever talk like that. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. I am vulnerable because <laughs> compared to what I was before, I was stoic as fuck. Like you would never see me crack. Like I can tell a very transparent story, get choked up, but that's not vulnerability because I already figured it out and I didn't need any of you fuckers to do it. <laughs> right. That's transparency. I've already figured it out. It's already over. That's not vulnerable. What's vulnerable is in the midst of a betrayal and having no idea how I'm going to get out of it and leaning into someone else at their mercy and letting them see that I don't have it figured out. That's vulnerability. Relying on somebody fully. That's vulnerability. Asking for help when we don't know. And some of you are really good at that. Enneagram 8s, 3s, 7s, we're not so great at it. We're not so great at it, right? So really, like, vulnerability, you know, Brene Brown, like, she's the queen of it. Um, Gifts of Imperfection was, like, the real the first book in personal development I read 12 years ago that I was like, oh, I had no idea. Like, that gift of imperfection is that vulnerability. And recognizing that what's vulnerable for me may not be vulnerable for you, but at the root of what I fear and what I'm motivated by, like certain things are going to be more vulnerable for me than they are for you and vice versa, right? But if you really want to move and have, you know, especially in this, if you have personal development, PTSD, just like religious trauma, right? You, you put yourself in this environment where you thought you were safe. A lot of times the religion and personal development space, you put ourselves at the at the mercy of people who said they could guide you through something and then you get into it and you're not. And it felt really vulnerable, right? Like that is required. But again, discernment of where it's safe to be vulnerable. We all need to be vulnerable. We all do. If you want to transform, we are not meant to do this life alone. If you want the support, you want the friendships, you want the love, you want the, the intimacy, the into me you see in your life, a vulnerability exchange is required. Yeah. Yeah. That, like, you and I tend to be the heroes in most people's life. And that's where codependency shows up for you and I. And anytime we have an element of codependency, we're lacking vulnerability. And newsflash, we all have some elements of codependent tendencies in our life. Now, how that looks for every one of us can look very different on any given day and the different dynamics of relationships. It's why it's so sneaky. It's at the root of all of this. Yes. Um, but yeah, that's that's the difference between transparency and vulnerability. So yes, I'm very transparent on stage. And I'm very transparent in my coaching and, and, and I tell you all the details, like I will, um, there's only on one hand, the number of people that I will be fully, fully vulnerable with 
but I am willing to do that. Yeah. That's probably one of the biggest challenges. Yeah. Um, as an Enneagram eight is, it is. is vulnerability. And it is. you you touched on codependency. And I know we're getting short on. Do you have time for one more question? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, so you within, can make this two episodes if you want. You know? <laughs> <laughs> within the um within the coaching that we were doing, I, I remember as I started to learn more <laughs> about the different Enneagram numbers and more about how different people were motivated and how different people showed up in relationships based on how they were motivated, I really started to pick up on how I kept mm -hmm. attracting people into my life who were either Enneagram twos or showed up very similar to an Enneagram two. And I remember just kind of bitching about it to you one day. And I was like, mm -hmm. all of these people keep showing up in my life. I keep getting into relationships, not just dating relationships, but that too, dating, friendships, all of these different relationships with Enneagram twos. And I'm so frustrated because they're so fucking codependent. And I'm not mm -hmm. saying that all Enneagram twos are codependent, yeah. but it was the people that I was attracting were so codependent. And that energy just irritated me to my core. And I remember bitching about it to you. And you're like, they're showing up codependent in this way. And you're attracting this codependent energy that looks like this because you are codependent in this way. And I was like, wait, what? You did mm -hmm. not just call me codependent. <laughs> I know when I throw around that word to like high achieving and independent people, because, you know, 23 years ago when I was introduced to what codependency was and I was like, I'm not fucking codependent. I'm more independent. I don't need anybody. It's not what it means. It is such I a triggering word. It is because I did need people to need me for me to feel strong, powerful, and like a hero. And so, yeah, we aren't victim-y in our codependency, but we do have this hero complex and big, massive, robust ego in a way that like, we need you to need us because that's yeah. how we feel strong and powerful. And that's why you kept attracting them. That's why I did most of my life. And it is like frustrating. One can't, and same thing with like narcissism. Like, you know, I narcissism is a real thing and it's, it's a big deal. But usually when I hear about like narcissistic abuse, like, and it is a real fucking thing. It is. And they have, they, you know, they're responsible for that. And I will always have the end, as you know, you wouldn't attract that in your life if you didn't get something out of it, you know, like narcissism or the big egos like you and I have, we're not, we can come across narcissistic at times. It's not that, but we just have this big ego where we like to be the hero. We don't need to be the center of attention, but we need to be the hero. But, you know, if you look at narcissists, they can't do what they do unless they have somebody co-signing it. So like somebody that's a codependent that loves to help people, you know, a narcissist loves to be the center of attention, right? They need to be the center of attention. Like who is going to like love to pour that and help that than somebody who loves to do that. Right. And that's, and then it becomes this warped fucking thing. But so often, again, I'm not minimizing what narcissism is. It's terrible. Right. But if you have been 
in that or in a breakdown of any kind of relationship, narcissism or not. Like I was, you know, in a marriage that there was an affair and I was livid, like my ego, like my pride, everything. Like at the end of the day, I was like, who the fuck is he to do that to me? And although I'm not excusing that behavior, it was terrible. It was wrong. If I'm really, really looking at my role in all of this, and it goes back to the core fears and the core motives within the Enneagram, like I was unwilling to be vulnerable. I was unwilling to be vulnerable. I would emasculate him. I'm not saying that that gave him permission to do anything, right? But I basically found the plot. I put the headstone on. I dug the grave. I dug it six feet under. I dug it some more. I dropped the coffin in. <laughs> he just put the nails in it. Right? I'm not saying that any abuse is okay ever or any kind of infidelity or any kind of being wronged when you're innocent is ever okay. However, those cycles will continue to repeat in your life. Like we, we don't get it till we get it. And the lessons will keep showing up in different packages, same packages, different wrapping paper, unless we can compassionately find accountability for our role in it. Yeah. This is tough. This is really tough, but this is the root of codependency. When I recognize for myself that where my codependency lies isn't in victimy shit. And I'm not judging any of you that like that's your thing in codependency. But I recognize I wasn't helping anybody by being this hero. They were feeding my ego and reinforcing that, yeah, I'm a strong girl and I don't need anybody. Yeah. And so subconsciously and unintentionally, I was using people to build up my armor. Now, that was a hard pill to swallow and to not go to shame about that and judgment to myself was a challenge, right? But I know that shame will keep us stuck, will keep us sick, and we won't transform. It's only, again, met with empathy and compassion. Most of us come by this shit really innocently. And this is why the inner child work is so important, because when we catch this stuff in our adult lives playing out, it's because at the root of it was a four-year-old in me trying to show her daddy how strong she was. Yeah. And it's why we must meet ourselves with compassion. We must. And it's why like understanding codependency, not so we can beat ourselves up some more or project our shit onto other people, but so we can break this generational shit. And so that we can be in self-honoring relationship with ourselves and honoring relationships and support systems through this journey called life. It is required. No, you won't like it. It's not fun. It's sneaky and it's messy. But you know what? It's where all the fucking magic is in this lifetime, is understanding and implementing and compassionately moving through it. Yes. Tracy, I fucking love you. Thank you so much. This has I been love you too. such a great conversation. I really appreciate you. I'll come back on anytime you want, by the way. So awesome. <laughs> I will take yeah. you up on that. Because <laughs> we got all sorts of, I mean, we could have talked for probably 10 hours on different subjects that have come up for you, like parenting, relationships, friendships, business, like, like this, this is the holistic approach to life. It's not like we wear, you know, all these different hats. We wear one hat, um, but we have to know how to wear it. 
So we'll, we can yeah. revisit these chats at another time, but I, I love you. Seriously, you have and are the most coachable person I've ever worked with. And um, I don't say that lightly, but you are. And I'm so proud. And it's why you have in just a short six months since our work started together, why you have done all the things you've done and why, even though it's hard and messy and painful at times, you're thriving beyond measure in all areas of your life. And watch, look at what your kids are doing now. Look at that. It's a yeah. true testament to that. You know the way, you go the way, and now you show the way. And they're safe to be themselves. Yeah. Not many use. It's amazing. Proud of you. I love you. Thank you. I love you too. Okay, so I realized after I'd hit the stop record button that I never asked Tracy to tell you how you can work with her. I was like, Actually, I was like all in my feelings and shit, and we'd already talked for over an hour. And and even though I love Tracy, and I know she probably would have talked with me for another whole hour if I'd asked her to, I do like to respect people's time. So anyway, all that, and I forgot to ask her to share how you can work with her. So I'm going to share it for her. So if you've gotten to the end of this conversation and you're like, well, number one, if you're not even sure what the Enneagram is because we refer to it a lot because it's core to the work that she does. If you're not sure what it is, check out Tracy's podcast. It's called Lead with the Enneagram. I'll have a link in the show notes to the podcast website as well as an Enneagram 101 playlist that's going to give you a ton of information over a handful of episodes to help educate you. Now, like Tracy said, Information doesn't equal transformation. Knowing about the Enneagram and even knowing about your Enneagram type doesn't automatically lead to transformation if you don't know how to integrate it. But before you can do anything with it, you really do have to know the right information. So Tracy has an Enneagram blueprint that I believe is over 95% accurate. If you've taken other online assessments, like you heard us talk about, those are inaccurate like 70% of the time. So there's actually a far greater chance that that assessment you took on the internet is wrong, more so than the likelihood that it might be right. So you have to start with the right information. Tracy's blueprint will give you the right information. There's a link to that in the show notes as well. On top of that, Tracy offers 90-minute power sessions. And with this, you essentially get a one-time 90-minute coaching call with her where she takes you deep into this Enneagram blueprint, which, by the way, is like 75 pages long. No joke. You'll get your core type and your subtype and your tri-type. You'll learn how to use your wings. You'll learn how to move towards your growth number and then how to use your stress number in a way that benefits you rather than keeps you stuck. And if all of that sounds confusing, she will explain all of it in the coaching call. And then she'll help you understand how to actually integrate all of it. Now, if you're ready for the master's program of coaching, that is the coaching that Tracy and I did together that we talk about in this conversation. 
Her one-on-one coaching is by application only. It's for three months. You get six live Zoom coaching calls with her over the course of the three months. And you get unlimited video messaging with her. Like if you have questions, if you're working through something, you send her a video message through this app and she responds with a video message back to you. Now, she only takes a limited number of people in this one-on-one coaching program. So if this is something you think you might be interested in, submit an application or reach out to Tracy through Instagram if you have any questions about it, and I know she'll get right back to you. And like I said, all of these links will be in the show notes. Thanks for tuning in to Realign With Your Purpose. My intention is that the messages I share here in this podcast help you experience a mindset shift as well as actual transformation and growth. If you found value in today's episode, please share it with a friend so they can experience the growth and transformation that you found in these messages. Or take a screenshot and share it on Instagram And be sure to tag me so I can personally thank you for spreading the message and encouraging everyone to believe in themselves and their dreams. And if anything I talked about today really spoke to you, send me a DM because I would love the opportunity to have a conversation with you. As always, it's been an honor to share this time with you today. And until next time, you got this.